John Maxwell wrote a lot of leadership books, and you probably read one of them. Probably his most popular is The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And the subtitle is Follow Them and People Will Follow You. So you, you follow these 21 laws, then you follow them, then people follow you, which is great. But 21 laws, that's a lot to keep in mind if you're leading. That, that's what my first thought is, well, 21, I'm, I'm not good for 21. How about two? I'm good for two. And so if I could just uh, think that there were just two, if I were going to write a book and I could just, and somebody said there's just two laws that you can put on, I would put on these two laws that come from Nehemiah chapter 2 and chapter 3, which is where we are this morning, casting a vision, and then secondly, getting people engaged in that vision. So if I just said, hey, there's just two things about leadership you can say, I'd say, you've got to cast a vision, you've got to have some idea of where you're going, and we've talked about a vision as a preferred future. You see something out in the future, could be about yourself as a person, could be about your family, could be about your business, could be about your church. I mean, whatever that is, could be for someone. You're trying to help them see themselves in some way. So you have some preferred future in mind, and then you got to get people moving in that direction. That might be you, like Brandon was saying today, just i got to self-propel in that way, or it might be you need to get a group of people moving in a particular direction. So this morning, we're going to focus on verses uh, chapter 2, 17 and 18, these two verses that really are a defining moment for Nehemiah. And casting a vision is really a defining moment in leadership. Sometimes that's actually when you sort of become the leader. You, you somehow crystallize something into a particular plan, an action plan, and you, you cast it out there and say, okay, we're, we're going to move this way. And, and if a vision is big enough, it's, if it's compelling enough, People will make sacrifices to make that happen. You can just think biblically. The, the biggest vision in the world was cast by God. He saw a people in trouble. That's us. He made a plan. He, felt, he followed through on his vision. People were saved. People were moved in that way. So we're, we're thinking about vision in this way. And perhaps nobody that, that in our time cast a, a better vision, a more compelling vision than Martin Luther King. Now, we're not all Martin Luther Kings, but just the way he could crystallize information and put it out in a way that people could see it, they could feel it, they could see the goal, and then they wanted to get behind it. They want to make sacrifices and say, that's right, let's go in this way. So I'm going to just show you a little clip of a two-minute speech he gave and it's a very powerful speech, but I think what makes it mo most powerful is this is the speech he gave in Memphis the night before he was shot the next day. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, Maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly, 
somewhere I read, of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read, of the freedom of press, somewhere I read, that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Now, if you're hoping for that this morning, I'm going to just lower your expectations. <laughs> but, but what he does so well, and what you can do, even if you don't have that rhetorical skill, is he builds this theme from this freedom that you're supposed to have from the Bible, these God-given rights, and he's always picking up on these themes from Exodus. You know, we're, we're moving out of slavery into freedom. And, and he uses that to propel into the Constitution. These, these rights, they're inalienable. They're written down. And so he's just taking all that and he's just bringing people to say, see, all this lines up with where, where we need to go as a people. It's so powerful. And so when, when you're a leader, you've got, to line the, you've got to line up how you're moving to get people to move in this direction. And it, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy just to figure that out. Which, is the, which way are we supposed to go here? And then try to crystallize it down into something that's very simple. We're trying to go this way. If it gets too complex, people don't know, know really how to move. So we're going to talk about this this morning. And so as a leader, you've got to have some kind of mountaintop experience where you see a preferred future. Now, you may not go up into the mountain, and I don't want to make this mystical because it can come in very ordinary ways. Let me just give you a couple of examples. So when I was moving to Wilmington, North Carolina to become the area director, this is 1989, my boss at that time said, Paul, I don't even, he probably wouldn't even remember this. We were driving around in a car in town. He said, Paul, one man really committed to Christ who would stay in the town for his whole life could really have an impact on that community. 
And I've never forgot that. This one little, he, he wouldn't even remember it. But I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I mean, I, I couldn't have necessarily said it that way. But when he said it, I was like, yes, that's what I would want to do. I would want to come and just live in a community and just be for my whole life faithful to Jesus in that one community. And so that helped create a vision for me. Somebody else said something, and you go, yes, and I know you've had that experience. Somebody says something, and you go, that's right, that's it. And you, you just borrow it and say, that's the direction I want to go. Fifteen years later, 2002, they did an assessment of me as a young life person in Wilmington. And part of the assessment is they ask, I don't know, a dozen people that know me and say, hey, if Paul wasn't the area director of Young Life, what could you see him doing? And 100% of the responses were pastor of a church. And they said, we've never had 100% teacher, coach, sell real estate, whatever. But this was, the, the and, and so that stuck with me like, when this door opened for me, that helped me to say, yes, that, that's how visions get shaped. So I don't want you to feel like you've got to go sit on, a, sit on the beach for several hours today and stare at the water and then, you know, dolphins come up and you get a vision. So that doesn't work that way. It, gets, it somehow gets hammered out in a community to say, Yes, that's how God's formed me. That's how God shaped me. And usually people see it. They say, that, yes, move in that direction. So if you feel like I'm not sure I have a great vision for myself or for my family or for my business, you should get around other people to help you say, can you help me know how I'm trying to move in this direction? So I, I want to make sure you understand that. Bill Hybels tells a story, uh, Bill Hybels does this thing called Summit Leadership, and he tells a story about delivering uh, talk about vision to ministry leaders. And after the talk, he was out in the lobby, I guess, and some businessman, church businessman, came up to him, and in sort of exasperation and pleading, he says this, Bill, would you please come talk to my pastor? And Bill Hybels asked, well, what do, you, what do you want me to come and talk to him for? And he said, to tell him to put a target on a wall. Any target, any wall. Because we don't know where we're going. And we need some kind of target. I need some kind of target to keep me moving in this direction. And maybe that's you in your life. Maybe that's you as the husband of your, of your, and the leader of your family. Maybe that's you and your business. That people, good people are around saying, I want to go in some direction, and you're the leader, and they're just pleading with you, any target, any wall. I mean, we don't have any idea what we're doing here. So you've got to be the leader. You've got to be the one that's saying, this is where we're trying to go. Now, that doesn't mean it can't adjust and all that stuff, but you've got to say, this is, this is where we're going, and I'm leading us in this particular direction. This, um, this past weekend was a good moment for Nancy and I. Because we had sat down, I mean, we've been married for 30 years or so, and we'd sat down over time saying, hey, who do we want to be? What do we want to become? We have children. What, what do we want to do? What, what do we want our family to be like? 
And so now, 54 years old, we had a little mountaintop picnic this weekend. Kids out of the house, check. Kids off the payroll, check. Kids married, check. So we checked a lot of big boxes. And we just, just sat there and just enjoyed that for a moment. Because we had it, we we made this vision. I mean, it was a lot of twists and turns, but we arrived. And this was the first moment of being together for 30 years that every dollar we made didn't already have an assignment. You, you ever, you're in that place right now? Like every time you make money, you know it's already assigned somewhere. It's not actually, you know, going to actually sit around in your pocket. It's going to go for the mortgage or go for a wedding or go for a college payment or go for something else. And so here we are for 30 years, every dollar always has an assignment. And I said, Nancy, now every dollar doesn't have an assignment. We're like, what do we do? I said, let's just dream a little bit. Where, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? How do we want to live this next phase? But see, I led that discussion, and together we were putting a target on the wall. I wasn't just demanding this is the way it goes. I was saying, let's dream together. Let's put another target. We've, we've hit a couple of targets. Let's put another target out on the wall. And I'm saying that because, men, there are so many wives who would say, please put a target, any target on any wall. But I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're leading us. You just get up and move out, and then the next day you get up and move out. I don't, are we together going somewhere as a couple? Are we going somewhere as a family? And you've got to be in on trying to figure that out and bringing your spouse along and saying, I'm not sure, you help me, that's all right. So we talk about vision. You've got to look at yourself, your spouse, your kids, and say, I have a preferred future for us. Now, you, just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to reach it. But you've got to have something that you're shooting for. And so that's what I want to, I just want to encourage us. So here in Nehemiah, Nehemiah has gotten the news that Jerusalem's in trouble. He's gone to the king, and he's asked for time off. He's asked for money, and he's asked for these letters of, of recommendation, He's finally got to Jerusalem. He did this inspection, and then he comes to verse 7, 17, and this is, where, this is a leadership moment. He's going to stand up, and he's going to cast this vision. You see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall together that we may no longer suffer derision or disgrace and I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also about the words that the king had spoken to me. And then they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. So this is a critical moment, critical leadership moment for Nehemiah, and I want to make uh, four observations here. We talked a little bit about this last week. For the very first thing he does, this is what you've got to do as a leader. This is like leadership 101. This, this is just such great leadership from Nehemiah that you and I should take with us. Number one, as a leader, you have to define reality. Where are we right now? Not, not what our wishes and hopes are. Let's just assess what we've got here. What's in our checking book? What's our capacity? 
what, what's happening right now? I'm, and that's what Nehemiah did. Went around, remember that? Several days looking at all parts of the wall. Where, where do we exist? What, what resources do we have? What are we missing? So you got to really define reality. And so Nehemiah has done his homework. And, and look, he's defining reality because these people might not be living in reality. Meaning, these people have always lived in Jerusalem and the walls have been broken down. They've never been in the town when the walls have been constructed. So they might not realize they're in trouble. Does that make sense? So they don't live in reality. So Nehemiah is trying to say, we're in trouble. That's the first thing he's trying to say. Do you understand the trouble we're in? I'm trying to define reality. I need you to sort of hit the panic button, guys. We're in trouble. We've got to do something now. So he's defining reality. Very, very important first step. Secondly, he's defining the future. Very simple. Let's build a wall. That sounds a little bit like Donald Trump. But whether you like Donald Trump or you don't like him, what do you know he wants to do? He wants to build a wall. Whether you think it's a good idea or not, it's very clear. And for Nehemiah, his vision is very clear. Is it clear for you about you? I mean, are you clear on who you are? You've defined reality. See, a lot of people don't really define reality themselves. They say, I can do X, Y, and Z, and they can only do X. So they assign things to them they can't actually do. They don't really live in reality. And you've met some of these people. Happens a lot of times when you're hiring somebody. Oh, I can do all this kind of stuff, and you hire them. You go, yeah, you can only do about 50% of it. So do you, have you really defined reality for yourself? Do you know where you're trying to go? And then think about it as a family man, think, think, think about it as a businessman, think about it as a church man, think about it as a community man. What, what are you involved in and do you know where you're going? Have you defined reality? Do you, do you know where you're trying to go? Have you defined it? Has it been, is it very clear? See, that's what's so clear about my examples is one man dedicated to Christ living in the same town. That's very simple. Being a pastor of a church, very simple. Now, do I do a lot of other things? Yeah, but I've got one thing that I'm aiming for, and those other things come along. So define reality, define the future, and then finally, you got to say, we can't stay here. You notice how he says that? We're living in disgrace. We just can't stay here. Now, this is so important and if you were at the vision banquet for, young, for uh, Christ Community Church recently, you heard me do this with Christ Community Church as an example. But leadership in the simplest form, this is here, and this is there. It's pretty simple. And you're here. And leadership is getting people to move from here to there. That's leadership. you got to get people to move from here to there. And what we've seen is Nehemiah has defined here. here this is where we are. Walls are broken down. Here's where we want to go. We want to build a wall around the city. Now, these people have lived their whole life here, 
And you know this, people don't like to change. Any change, even if it's a good change, I don't like to change. I've got my habits. So you've got to say, we cannot stay here. This is an intolerable situation. So as a leader, before you paint this nice dreamy picture of there, you've got to motivate people to get off their rear ends and start building a wall. So you've got to say, we can't stay here. So just last Sunday at Christ Community Church when we did the vision, how many came to that part? So several of you heard me say, here's five reasons we can't stay here. We can't just stay where we are. We've got to move. And then I think that helped people say, okay, he's right. We can't stay here. So, so okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm motivated. How we, where are we going? And that's what you have to do with your own business or with your own family. If you're in a business, what happens to a business who just wants to stay where they are? Man, everybody knows it, right? It just withers. And you, you might be able to ride the momentum for some piece of time and say, we had another good year, and then eh, that next year wasn't so good, and then the next year this new business came in, and they had the website, and they had the... You know how that is. So you got to tell your folks, hey, we can't stay here. If we stay here as a business, we die. And so we've got to, this is where I want to go, but I want to make sure you know we just can't stay here. So that's, that to me is a critical part of leadership, just trying to help people understand we can't, we can't stay where we are. Now think about how this happens in, in so many different ways. If you're doing, just doing evangelism, you're meeting with a friend who doesn't know Jesus, and you're somehow just trying to have a spiritual conversation, some point you're going to say, well, let's just see where we are, right? Let's just try to define reality. What do you believe? What do you think? That kind of stuff. Then as a Christian, you're going to say, well, I, this is where I'm trying to go, right? This is the gospel. And then you're going to look at your friend and in some way say, hey, Bill, you can't stay here. I'm concerned for if you stay here. This is what it looks like if you stay here. I don't get them necessarily to do something because that's the Holy Spirit's work. But do you see how that happens? Same thing happens in a business. Same thing happens with your family. I loved my family. I love my family now. But I really loved them when they were five and seven. That was awesome. But you know what? We can't stay here. <laughs> I mean, I would love if they stayed at five and seven where you take the boat out and run up on the beach and you just whatever, just so much fun, no worries, no girlfriends, no drama. But we can't stay here. If, and if I keep treating my kids like they're five and seven, that's not going to be good in the future. So this happens all the time, all the time. Have you defined reality? Do you know where you're going? And have you listed some motivations to we can't stay here? This is just textbook leadership. Finally, I want to say one more thing. Verse 18. He motivates these people with a great story. And he says more than what's written here. But he says, okay, so first of all, you see the trouble we're in. We want to build a wall. And we don't want to be in disgrace. And then, verse 18, I told them of the hand of my God 
that had been upon me for good, and also the words of the king. So these people are going, okay, we're here, we can't stay here, he's got a vision, but, but you as a leader, you have one more tool you can use, and that's how God's already moving. Martin Luther King does this so well. Nehemiah so perfectly says, okay, guys, I, I know you're, you're kind of excited and you're kind of nervous, but let, let's just, let me just tell you a story, a true story. 800 miles away, I was a servant of the king. And my brother came from Jerusalem. How many of them met him? Have a, yeah, yeah, okay, you met my brother. He came. He walked 800 miles. And he told me about the, the condition you guys were in. And I started weeping and praying and planning. And man, I was biting my nails because I was like, Lord, I don't know if I could be the person who could do this, but I had an audience with the king one day and he could see I was worried. He asked me about it. I said a little prayer and you wouldn't believe what happened. Here I am, I'm a servant. And I said, can you give me time off? Can you give me some of your money? Can you send me with this log truck right here? And you know what he said? Yeah. He said, yes. If God's done all of that already, it's not going to be a problem to build the wall. And do you hear, you can hear them going, yeah, like the Braveheart moment, right? They're all like, yeah, we're going to do it. But as a leader, see, you've had moments. You've had moments to crystallize in your mind what you want. And if you can say, hey, I want you to see that God's already moving in some direction, man, that can really ignite people to want to move. So this is great, great leadership by Nehemiah. We could just study this every week and say, are you doing these four things? Are these four things happening for you? When you get down, what does the Bible say? Remember how God's been faithful in the past. When all the doors looked like they were shut, when everything, all the lights were off. Remember how God was faithful? That motivates you personally. Husbands, got to have this for your family. It's just you have to have it, or your family's just going to be fractured, and you have to be the person. You don't have to decide everything. You've got a wife who's maybe a lot smarter than you that can help you. That's okay, but you've got to lead that discussion, and if you're in a business, especially if you're a leader of a business, you've got, this, you've got to have this as your playbook. This is the first page that has all the notes and is tattered because you're going to use this page over and over again for every employee. I'm defining reality for you. I'm telling you where I want you to go. I'm motivating you. We don't want to stay here. We want to move. You're going to do this all the time. Happens all the time. All right, so we got about 15 minutes to discuss these questions here. You can think about a leader who you thought did, did a great job casting vision or somebody that you were under that you thought didn't do a great job casting vision. You know, what was the difference for you in that particular place? Do you have a vision for yourself? Look at these four steps. What, where, where's a strength for you? Where's a weakness for you? Where's something new that got said for you today? And, and, and are you, do you see yourself as somebody who must create momentum? You don't have to have the same personality as Martin Luther King to create momentum. But if you're a leader, you've got to be the person who's creating momentum. All right? 
So get in groups of about three or four, and we'll take 15 minutes to talk about this. Ready? Break.